Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to V with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Santa Monica, cellos, guitars, animation, and so much more with today's guest, Care Maiko Ferguson. Nice to announce today, if she has not already, that the sister space of the Roosevelt Room in downtown Austin is open and opening called the Eleanor, and Care will build a great team over there and be running that spot for Mr. Dennis Gobis and Justin Lavenue. Great talent over there, and it's great to hear Care's story, how she, in a way, stumbled into the hospitality industry in Boston and how things have never been the same since. So I hope you guys enjoyed this great conversation with Care, Maiko Ferguson. Michael and oh, then, yeah? yeah I don't know exactly what's been happening with like I haven't actively been doing it on social media or anything like that but uh because I've been in a relationship for a long time I've been talking about like what are we gonna get married and things like that yeah. the conversation of like last names came up uh-huh. um and when that happened I was kind of like I love my last name because it comes from my family and all that sort of stuff but like Care is a really old Irish Scottish name, which yeah. my dad's side of the family is Irish and Scottish, and Michael is a Japanese name. My mom's Japanese, and that those two words together kind of seemed to represent who I was, like my background, sure. as much as if I kept Ferguson. And so I was like, well, I don't know if I'll take my boyfriend's last name when we get married, or if I'm gonna keep mine or hyphenate or right, whatever, right. all that craziness. But I feel like professionally. It just to keep it consistent, if I start going by Care Maiko, yeah. then there won't be a weird jump uh, if I, I decide to do that. But uh, do you? How do you feel about? Because I've had this conversation well twice now, actually yeah. two marriages. But how do you feel about that? So you're married, and you're like, all right. Do you want to take his name? Do you want to still have your identity? How do you feel uh, about that? It's. I don't really. It like I don't care so much about the identity thing. Like yeah. I said, I feel like I have a very distinct name. I have sure. a very distinct person already. I, I like the Ferguson part is cool, but I don't need that. It's yeah. more about like the equality thing that you know a little bit of my raging feminist inside is going to sure. be like, is that fair? Right, it's <laughs> yeah. not fair. It's, it's just definitely simply not. Isn't. But like at the same time, I do like the idea of having the same last name as someone. But then you start hyphenating, and how complicated right. does that get? And then if you have kids, do they have your last name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a whole complicated thing. I think it it, is. it's like a person-to-person situation to situation. I just, you know, I don't like my last name all that much. Although yeah. it's defined me, it's kind of a weird one. But I definitely don't think I could pull off Cantu. Okay. Right, which is why, why yeah. <laughs> like that's a, I'm, I'm changing things just a little bit. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Mike Cantu. I mean, that sounds like a porno name, frankly. That's a really good name. It's not bad, right? Ooh. Michael Cantu. I don't know, but she yeah. did, I don't know. This well, is... that's one of the reasons why I'm kind of okay with taking my boyfriend's last name yeah. because his last name is McCracken. Oh, so that's I'm, good. It's solid. My name would be Care Michael McCracken. That is. That's a badass name. Syllabic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, there's something about like alliteration between middle name and last name yeah. that I feel like is always good uh so 
It's a power move. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> <laughs> you can definitely, um, yeah, yeah, you but, can parlay uh, that into something. I, it'll, we'll see. But in the meantime, if professionally, I just keep going with the Karamenko thing. Yeah. Um, like, I'll still say Karamenko Ferguson on, like, you know, anything official and things like that. But, yeah, any online handles or, or business cards or things like that, sticking yeah. to that, I feel like it works. That's good. I like it. I mean, yeah. it, it is, like you said, you're really like at this intersection of two interesting cultures. Yeah. Japanese, Scottish, Irish. Yeah. I mean, shit. What does that even mean? I drink a lot of whiskey. See, there you go. <laughs> and luckily, the J- Japanese whiskey is a massive thing. Yeah, now. it's huge right now. It's great. Finally. Yeah. After all of these years. So this story, though, for you as an artist, the core of it is you're a California girl. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Santa Monica or Santa LA, Monica, right? LA, yeah. beachy, pretty everywhere, sunshine. What? Because I'm, I'm curious. Most people, obviously, that, I, that I've known from LA, their folks are in the entertainment industry. Was that the same thing? For uh, you? My dad worked in music for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, he had a kind of crazy story where you know he went out there and tried to be the artist, and he seemed to just kind of pick up other odd jobs. And then he had a little bit of luck where he. Uh, ended up producing an album for Warner Brothers uh-huh. with a blues musician that got like Grammy nominated and all no this shit. Big, yeah it was when huge was, like what uh, what decade are we talking about uh, we're talking about late 80s I oh, think oh that's amazing yeah um, and after that he you know as my dad does decided to be the artist because that's like his thing yeah. he's always going to be the artist uh, and he stopped working for Warner and working with that guy and tried to do his own thing and it didn't quite pan out as expected or mm. as he had wished um and so he's kind of continued doing the music thing throughout, but yeah. it was never in like such a massive, like publicized way. Like sure. he had a studio while I was growing up and he's been the stage manager for the Santa Monica Pier concerts for like 10 years oh, or something. So and cool. so, Yeah. Music is everywhere. So it's a huge part of your life. Yeah. Um, it, like I said, or we talked briefly before this earlier, yeah. my little brother's a cellist. He just graduated from UCLA for wow. composition and performance and I'm pretty sure, like, all of the family reunions are just as much a concert music, like, festival yeah. thing for us as they are a family reunion. That's kind of incredible. It's pretty fun. Well, how it, about your mom? Artistic as well? Um, Visually more so. Yeah. Uh, my mom doesn't talk a lot about her childhood. She grew up in Japan yeah. in, like, a very rural little section. I, I think that a lot of it isn't stuff she expects us to uh, relate to. Mm. But like things that my dad's told her, she apparently like wrote a piece about a jazz album that she had heard and it was like in a newspaper in Japan and when she was in high school. Really? Yeah, and then uh, she makes like purses and cards and like all these little crafty things. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think she ever expected to be an artist. Like it wasn't her dream to be an artist. Well, is that's not like, yeah. not to, to even try to understand the, the Japanese psyche, but that's, this doesn't seem to be a part of the culture. Yeah. Like just doing the work, yeah. being dutiful is more the thing. But the, the West is where we're all like, we're going to be artists. We're going to be the, we have the dream. Yeah, yeah. the dream. <laughs> we got stuck with the American dream that's phrase right. yeah. and now we're, we're just fucked. But that's uh, a crazy blend though. Yeah. Again. And so, how many brothers and sisters? Just one brother. Just one brother. Yeah. But artists through and through. Absolutely. When we were little kids, it was actually funny. He was really into visual art, and I was really into music. Okay. And then something switched. I don't know, like middle school, high school, and then I fell in love with visual art, and he fell in love with music. What were you playing? If, or was uh, it I was mostly playing violin. Mm. Like, I had a band when I was in middle school. No shit. Yeah. It's, there's definitely, like, a hilarious YouTube or two online of me. Like, Why did I find that? I should have <laughs> dug really deep to try to find that. I don't know if my name's attached to it at all, but 
I know where to find it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was like I love music, but it just never really clicked in my brain the same way visual art does. Yeah. And I think it definitely, you know, it taught me certain ways to think and like I can still look at sheet music and read it in my head and mm. things like that. But um, I don't know, maybe it was the weird expectation of family members always like, you know, everyone's a musician, you got to be one. Sure. Or maybe it just, you know, everyone's a different kind of learner. I yeah. think I'm more visual. Well, it's weird because maybe just shifted as your mind kind of expanded. It's true. You know, something that's maybe even more tangible. Because art's a tangible thing where music is almost theoretical until yeah, absolutely. you're playing it, right? What, so as a kid growing up in Santa Monica, is it as stuffy and rich as one might think? Or is it pretty cool? Everybody's um, creative. There was definitely a stuffy and rich side to it. Yeah. The really cool thing about Santa Monica specifically is that like the northern half of the city is pretty rich. And the southern right. half of the city. How big, it, just roughly how big is Santa Monica? Uh, it's like bigger than Austin? No, it's it's small. It's, it's the coast till like 30 blocks in and then maybe a little like taller, a little bit wider than that. Okay. But it's not a big space at all. Um, I had a, a high school teacher who uh, was older and he what, was planning to do a walking tour of Santa Monica. He went to walk every single block in oh, the city. Wow. It was really cute. That is cool. Um. But yeah, the the northern half was a lot of rich families. It was a lot of like you know people in the entertainment industry and music and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, and then the southern half was a lot of people who had lived in Santa Monica since the seventies. Oh, cool! Which my dad was part of that that group. And Is it that same kind of mentality like old Austin? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a little bit like I've been a beach bum, but like you know <laughs> right. working the whole time because yeah. it's L.A. Um, for thirty years, and I'm not leaving where I am. That's amazing. Uh, they have rent control. Oh, shit, I didn't realize Changes that. the game. Yeah, oh, I could have never grown up in Santa Monica if we didn't have rent control. No my, kidding. Yeah, my dad moved there in the 70s, got a tiny little one-bedroom apartment, never let go of it, would, like, live in other places, yeah. but always, like, have other people stay there and stuff. And so when I was, like, in elementary school, I think we were paying, like, $400 for a one-bedroom. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's, wow. Yeah, we, well, it was kind of sucked because we stayed in the one-bedroom apartment for well, a yes, yeah. we probably should have. Um, but because of that, my parents were very like we're gonna stay here because yeah. the public schools were great and like the culture was great and it was a really good place to grow up for sure. So when you think about the aspirations, and I know you ended up going to Massachusetts for art school, but what were you thinking about staying in California um, to pursue the, the visual? Because I mean, it's yeah, LA, it's LA. You know? I like still to this day, part of me is like eventually I have to move back. Yeah. Well, is it tapping you on the shoulder now and again? Every now and again, yeah. It's it depends on where my career goes. Because yeah. you know, at this point, I'm doing a lot of visual art stuff and a lot of bar stuff, and someday I might have to focus on one if I'm gonna do exactly what I want to do. Yeah. Um, and if I end up focusing on the visual art stuff, which is mostly animation, probably gonna have, you have to, to go back. Yeah, exactly. So it's just a matter of how it goes down, I yeah. guess. And also, my family's out there, and so they all don't of them are still out there. Yeah. Since my brother went to UCLA, oh yeah, he just stuck around. <laughs> so well, yeah, maybe it, someday it becomes we have these dualities, mm -hmm. you know, because you're obviously doing really well in the hospitality field, but then you've got this deep talent for art. I mean, I watch some of the shorts and some of the animations. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm into it. It's great, Thanks. you know, and it feels analog, mm -hmm. right? Which yeah. is, I think, we had a couple chats months ago about that, and it's something really important to you, stop motion, even yeah. perhaps, right? But when you think about, because you went, end up going to Tufts in Massachusetts, pursuing art mm -hmm. there. 
I'm curious though, you know, we talked about one local gentleman, actually innovator that, that you're really influenced by, but in terms of like the larger plethora of art and stuff, what were some things at that point as you're kind of leaving California that were really influential for you, either musically or artistically? Um, well, I would say there's like one consistent thread for like, uh, the reason I started animating, mm. I was in seventh grade and I saw the movie Princess Mononoke by Hayao oh, Miyazaki yeah, yeah, yeah. and it like blew my mind. I was like, animation can be for adults and beautiful and powerful and yeah. I literally couldn't fall asleep that night and I kept drawing and drawing and it was the first time like I ever pulled an all-nighter. Wow. Um, and since then I've always, that's, it was kind of my head that I wanted to do that. I wanted to make something as beautiful as that was. Um, do you and, think that the Japanese thread has anything to do with it? Yo, definitely. definitely. Yeah. There's a little bit of like, because I didn't grow up with any of my Japanese family around, like yeah. my mom would play like all the like Sailor Moon and Kiki's yeah, Delivery yeah. Service and all those things, you know, being a child child of the '90s in Japan. Sure. Um, and so that was kind of like my way of connecting to that part of the culture. I yeah, think. that's amazing. Um, and so that stayed really consistent. And I think me moving out of LA was more realizing that. If I wanted to do animation, I'd have to come back eventually. Yeah. And I didn't want to be in the same place my entire life. Well, that's what happens, right? Yeah. When your mind gets expanded like Yeah. That. You need to see other things to get other perspectives. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's something that's probably really good on you or good on your parents for really encouraging because that's something I think that actually is very stifling for a lot of the yeah. country anyway. And we talk about larger political stuff. But yeah, it's interesting. So yeah, well, that's amazing because it's uh, Hirosaki. Uh, Miyazaki? Miyazaki, thank yeah. you. Now because the the whiskey's out, yeah. Yamazaki, it fucking confuses yeah. <laughs> me all the time. And I'm like, wait, 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 which one is it? Oh, it starts with M, yeah. Well, with the way the language is built, like there are certain syllables that have to go together. So yeah. there are all these repeat patterns of phrases. And so unless you are super familiar with it, it's a lot of things that sound very similar. I mean, this structurally, it's like the same amount of syllables yeah. as anything. Well, so but that's a wonderful uh, March of the Fireflies. What's uh Grave of the Fireflies, but uh, yeah, that's a that's a one of the saddest one. movies yeah. in the world. Like that makes everybody cry. Yeah, it, it's very moving. Yeah. As a medium, you, I'm surprised that it can move us to that. Yeah, those levels because it's not people. Yeah, well, I think that when it's done correctly, like yeah. when you watch a movie, there's a uh, suspension of disbelief. Sure, that's constant. Um, you believe things that would never exist, and then when animation is done so well that it feels so much like a real world, you get yeah. away with that even more. Yeah, because like. You can make anything happen. That's the great thing about animation. You have zero limits. You're creating life from nothing. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. It is. You, you, in a way, it's godlike as a creator. Yeah, very godlike. <laughs> <laughs> Almost every good animator I know, we have a conversation about how like we're like secretly playing God with our art. <laughs> just a uh, tinge of narcissism Yeah, here just a little bit. Yeah. How was your experience then in Massachusetts going to art school proper, kind of pursuing an advanced degree in it? Um, it was great. I didn't expect to be in Massachusetts when I first yeah. applied to schools. I applied to a bunch of schools and it was essentially whoever gave me the most money. Yeah, and sure. uh, there were like one spot in San Francisco gave me a bunch. Kansas City Art Institute gave me, I think, a full ride. Interesting. And then uh, Boston. And I had only spent like eight hours in Boston prior to that. Mm. But I just had a good feeling. So I was like, let's do it. It's as different as it can get. Yeah. And I love it. Like, I would happily, if there was a way for me to do everything I liked in Massachusetts, maybe not. I would consider going back. I love Boston. I love it, it especially during the summer. Yeah. Like the only problems with Ma uh, 
uh, with Boston are snow and students. <laughs> if I didn't have that, like it's a beautiful, amazing city full of culture and intelligent people. Yeah, and easy to get food. around. Very easy to get around. Miss that train system. Yeah, we don't really have much of that. No. Kind of slacking in that sense. Yeah, LA even has that now. Does it really? It has a a, pretty, it's I've gotten, seen some of the trains. But. Yeah, uh, it depends on what part of the city you're in, yeah. but there is a train that goes from downtown Santa Monica to downtown LA, and it takes you 35, maybe 40 minutes. Yeah, wow. And so from downtown LA, there were already a bunch of trains that went all over the place or bus systems that were much better. So now, like every time I go back, I don't need to take my parents' car. I just train, train it everywhere. Up. It's amazing. Yeah. When it, so this is the thing, you know, for many of us, the college experience is a very eye-opening one, mm-hmm. one of which it's like, oh, we got out of, I mean, I moved around a lot, but for many of my mates, they'd lived in the same place for a long time, and then they're going to this other city. Things just expand, and their mind expands. But for you, it seems like you're already rooted in this really multicultural family and city. Mm-hmm. So were there any big takeaways from the college experience? Were there things you ended up learning by yourself? Oh, absolutely. Like, I worked hard in high school, but I didn't really care that much. Like I I was smart enough that I did well without trying super hard. And there were a couple classes I was super into that I would. But like, I think the thing I learned most in art school was that if you want to be an artist, you're going to have to work a hell of a lot harder than almost everyone else because everyone wants to be an artist. Um, And animation is something that is so time consuming because, you know, minimum of 12 frames for every second of footage so that's 12 pictures or 12 drawings depending on how you're doing it and so uh my senior year for my thesis i had two designated nights a week where i had to be in the studio from i think i said eight o'clock till two in the morning and i'd often stay overnight and just like take like an hour-long nap in the morning before class um, because if you're going to produce anything, you had to go for that long. Right. You can't just go in for half an hour. Well, it's every like day. mathematically, that's the requirement, yeah, right? There's exactly. so many frames per second. Yeah. Um, and it definitely it weeds out a lot of people in the first year because yeah. the animation program there was pretty small. It's mostly a visual arts school, like lots of performance art and sure. um, you know, more conceptual stuff. But our little film animation program, like a lot of people take those classes the first year. Who doesn't want to make a cartoon? Yeah. It's like the coolest thing in the world. Sounds, sounds easy. Sounds right? fun, right? Uh, and then you quickly learn in the first couple classes, especially once you get to the classes where you de- like direct yourself. Like, oh, wow. Well, because the first couple classes, I give you like little assignments here or there, sure. but after the first year, you're like, being like, okay, here's my story, here's my storyboard, here's my production schedule, go. So you get to do everything. Yeah, you had to do it all because it's just yours. Yeah. Um, because it gets, you're the one that has to care. Yeah, exactly. Right? No one else gives a shit. No, no they one really else don't. cares. Yeah. Like, you're paying money for college if you don't like finish your project that's on you yeah um it's like your professors are there to support you but they're, they can't make you work they're not your parents yeah you're not at home anymore so that was the biggest thing i think in college do it's, you think like well in terms of uh, ambition right so mm-hmm. we kind of use that word because there is a parallel right you yeah. seem very ambitious to me and yes. creative as well but do you think if you didn't have to do all that stuff by yourself direct film so many damn frames be up at night take breaks and then go right back into work that you would be as driven now? No, not at all. Because at this point, like, I've learned that if I put, like, thousands of hours into a project, yeah. I get a film. Like, that's, yeah, yeah, a tangible thing, right? Exactly. And a lot of people don't necessarily get to that point. Mm. Like, even if you go to school for, for animation or film, like, a lot of people end up going into, like, I'm just going to be a gaffer. Or I'm just going to be a DP or things like that. But with my program... 
I made my own short and yeah. my short went to festivals my fe- and that festivals are won awards and it was just like this thing where you know I made this thing and it's my baby and now it's succeeding yeah. and so now in my head I'm sure there's this thing that equates like hard work equals good things totally. <laughs> um, after like two years of going through that process with that one film and uh, definitely even before that it's the f- most amazing thing the first time you make an animation where something like really looks alive yeah. like you're like wait that's not a drawing that looks like a living thing uh, so the Frankenstein complex oh yeah <laughs> god so many complexes <laughs> well artists man it's not yeah, it's really true. A, that's, not a big that's our surprise, deal right? yeah it is it's in the DNA of that yeah so yeah I think that's where that's where it's kind of come across and grown to it seems like a nice gauntlet to yeah. go through to kind of prepare you for these other ways to use that same Absolutely. mindset. Which then begs the question, when you wrapped school mm-hmm. and you're thinking, all right, I'm going to go do X, whether yeah. that's hospitality, whether that is making films, animated shorts, animated full length. Like, where were you at? Were you thinking, I'm going to do this thing for sure? Um, I think at that point, I was really still focusing on that one thesis film yeah. because if that thesis film hadn't gone into any festivals or anything like that, it would have just been done and I would have started applying for jobs. Um, the first thing I did out of college, I was teaching at an arts camp that I oh, ended cool. up teaching at for like five years. And really? it was great. Yeah. So you stuck I, around for a bit. Yeah. I was in uh, Massachusetts for two and a half years after mm. um, I ended college. And then actually there was one summer where I was in Austin where I went back to Massachusetts just to teach art. No kidding. Yeah, they offered me. So you me a, just loved the. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I was with these kids from like ages eight through 12. Oh. And like some of them started earlier, but there was a gr- solid core group of them that I've known every year. And this year I only got to go back to visit. I can't go back to teach every year. Yeah. It's not plausible. But it's so cool to see it's that so change. Cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like watching kids become amazing artists mm. or like seeing kids with so much potential and how they grow. It's amazing it's rewarding it's very rewarding it's like all of the great things about having a kid without any of the bad things yeah exactly right i don't have to pay for them and i don't have to smell them all the time yeah and i get to see them become more inquisitive and like all the questions yeah watching them become little adults is really that is kind of be pretty rewarding also it was nice to only do it for like two months out of the year because like i like teaching but it's exhausting yeah it takes so much effort and as you've probably realized, everything I do, I put like a billion percent of myself sure. into it. Um, and so like the amount of energy I would put into teaching, like at the end of the day, I'd be so exhausted. Just spent. <laughs> yeah, just completely spent. But it was always worth it. When did, <laughs> let's just say the general term, when did alcohol kind of make its way um, into your life? Alcohol, hospitality, well, I, all yeah, that. Yeah, I started hostessing when I was like 20 or yeah. so. And um they asked me at one point, the bar was this kind of nicer spot near Fenway Park uh-huh. um, in, and wasn't very successful, but, you know, they was a very successful restaurant group, so they were trying to figure out how to make it work. It sure. was a weird location and time because it was an area that, like, was mostly baseball, but also, like, people were building high-rises, so they thought right. it was going to be big. Kind of projecting for yeah, the future. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, I was, you know one of the only girls that worked in the restaurant they're like hey do you know how to bartend and i'm like no i'm 20. <laughs> uh, and so they're like okay would you want to i'm like sure and they did this weird thing where on like fridays and saturdays they would after 
the dining room was done, take out all the tables and like the front dining room uh-huh. and like kind of turn it into like a bar club thing. Really? Yes. It was weird. It, I don't even know what they were thinking. Well, uh, sometimes you're just trying to make it work, right? Yeah. And I think that's what they were trying to do, which, you know, you respect just trying to make it work. And so they started training me on like the super simple, like, you know, vodka soda, like how to turn and burn, that yeah. sort of thing. And, um, but the menu itself during actual service and during the restaurant hours was very classics, like, mm. you know, old fashions and there was a blood and sand and things that were more traditional. And so I had to learn those. And then I ended up being a lot better than any of us really expected me to be. Why? What do you think that is? I'm not sure. I like I'm good at memorizing okay, and good helps. at details sure. and multitasking. And those are like, you know, it's essential. Yeah. Those are the things that if you can run all those different parts of a bar at once, it works out pretty well. Yeah. Um, and so I started doing that. And my last year of college, I was just bartending on weekends because, you know, the money was way too good not to. Uh, and, you know, I kept going. I love playing with flavors. And from the beginning, I love playing with cocktails and things like that. But I never really thought it would necessarily go this far. Yeah. Like, I was serious about it. Like, there were some things I studied and was all about when I was in Boston. But it wasn't until Austin that I realized, oh, wait, like, this is something that, like, I really care about and that I can do crazy stuff with. Yeah. So what well, it, it appeals to the creative side. Absolutely. Because there's always somewhere on the horizon, there's a combination that someone never worked with before. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of appealing, right? To be Very. able to innovate, but and also to have something tangible again, like a film, right? Yeah, exactly. Which it, is kind of interesting. When we talk about alcohol, though, early on, was it a piece of the family? Did they drink kind of casually? Not really. No. Like the only part, my mom and my brother are those kind of people that, you know, they got that Asian genetic thing where oh, yeah. as soon as they have like three sips of alcohol, they're bright red. Yeah, I've just yeah. read about that. Yeah, um, my brother, every time we go drinking, he takes Pepsid beforehand. Uh, there's this weird thing where there are certain things you can take that will either help your complexion or help the like feeling of it's like a different way that uh, you break down alcohol in your body. No way. Yeah, it's wild. That's so wild. Um, oh wow. I think that's what it is. No, I believe. I might it, yeah. be wrong. I don't know. No, but, but yeah, he always takes this uh, like something before we go out, yeah. and he's that's the only time where he doesn't get messed up really fast. No, but okay. also, we have, I've been trying to figure out what exactly does it because yeah. like. I brought him out to like real bars for the first time this past year. Mm-hmm. And like, I was like, okay, you're going to have like tequila this way or right. rum this way and whiskey this way, and try to figure out like what exactly like sets them off. That's, or, right. It, you're like, like trying <laughs> to problem solve. Yeah. It's fun. Um, but because of that, they never drank. My yeah. dad always had like a little bit of alcohol in the house. Uh, I remember the first time I ever tasted alcohol, I was like, you know, in middle school or something yeah, like that. My right. dad's like, have you ever tried anything? I was like, nope. Uh, and he handed me a tiny, tiny sliver of uh, Jameson 12-year with a little bit of water in oh, it. Oh, man. And I tasted it and I told him it tasted like pears and expo marker. See, uh, that's a pretty astute. Yeah, <laughs> right? Now looking back, I'm like, you had some good buds even back then. Uh so it wasn't ever really part of the culture. Um, yeah. I think it's still a little weird sometimes because my mom has zero awareness of what drinking culture is like right. or like what real bars will be like. And I think it's just been in the past maybe six months that she's like, oh, what you do is more like a chef. And I was like, yes, except without Brilliant. alcohol. Yeah. And so now she's learning to be like, oh, okay, that's what you do. And yeah. kind of learning how to be proud of the fact that I'm successful in this thing. Absolutely. You know, yeah. that, that's a really interesting thing. And that's something that people for such a long time, the cheers days, if yeah. you will, right? It's just like, it's just turn and burn. Just make me my drink and get the fuck out of here. Like, I don't expect you to be nice. I don't expect you to be creative. I don't expect you to be making a great living at this. But now, totally because different. food, 
Yeah. Because of the cocktail reemergence, right? Parents can be proud. Exactly. It's a lucrative it career. Is. I also have a theory that the reason why the cocktail reemergence is so big right now and also in the hospitality, yeah. everyone's taking it more seriously, I think has a lot to do with the economy crashing in like 2008. Sure. Oh, uh, yeah. I feel like there are a lot of people at that point who were highly educated, who had to work in hospitality at mm -hmm. least for a minute. And whether they stayed in it or left it, you got a lot of people who like went to school for business or to be a doctor and totally. all these sort of things. And now they're working in hospitality. And so you have super intelligent people working in it. And even if you go out of it, you all of a sudden have this new respect for everyone else in it. So, you know, everyone in their 30s and 40s right now, like, or, you know, the earlier half of that more yeah. so, they're all people who've either had friends who worked in hospitality or did it themselves for a hot second. That's a brilliant, like, I, I hadn't thought about that piece of it. I feel like there has to be a thing because like, the way that people look at restaurants, and like obviously I was a kid before that, so yeah. I don't really know, but as far as I can tell, I feel like there's a major shift. Uh, the, absolutely. I so, mean, we can we can both sit here and attest to the, the lucrative nature, like booze, yeah. how many new distilleries, how many new breweries, how many new cocktail It's bars. crazy, and the fact that people care about all of this. They care, yeah. The only reason why they care is because they know people care about things that they like learn about. Right. And they've learned about it because they had to for six months when they got out of college and couldn't find yeah, a job. Yeah, it's a really interesting way to look at it. I think that paired with technology and you have oh, the absolutely. access to information and you have the inquisitive nature of people wanting to find things themselves. That's so true. Right, and so they dive into the heart of it. And they're like, what I heard about this thing called Mescal. Like, what do, what do I do about that? <laughs> right, and so then, then you have all these teachers, you know, all these people behind the bar with this experiential knowledge. And it's, it's a really interesting kind of just cataclysm of events that, yeah. that really happened like that. But so then it begs the question, what brought you to Austin? Why? Not lovely spot, love it. Yeah. But why? Um, there were a lot of things. I kind of felt like Boston was coming to an end for mm. me. Um, and it was like, if I want to keep doing animation stuff, all the freelance work I was getting was out of LA, yeah. but I didn't want to move back to LA yet. So I was like, okay, where else has stuff like that? And then where else has bars? Because I know that even if I don't get a job right away, at least I can always work in a bar and I will never be broke. I will never have a yeah, problem. True. Um, and my boyfriend who I'm still with now. Did you he, meet him in Massachusetts? Yeah, we oh. went to the same arts program. Oh, we said the same okay. thing. We basically met each other because we were both the people who were in the studio all the time. So in we were always trenches. working. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we were friends for years before we ever dated. That's amazing. Um, and he has family out here. So he moved out here before I did. And we were like, well, we've been together for a few years and we love each other and he's great. But like, we're in our early 20s. Maybe we should see what it's like not to date each other. Yeah. Um, but then he came back for our best friend's wedding and we we're like, and we it's like, nope, don't <laughs> no, want to do that. No, we're, we're good. Let's just be together. Yeah. Um, and so we talked about whether we should both move there or whether I would move somewhere else. So we just do long distance for longer. And it just kind of worked out that Austin had a lot of film and yeah. Austin oh, yeah. has a lot of creative th things and it's cheaper here and the weather isn't as crazy as Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And um, because he already had family here, it was easy, easier for us to like, transition and like oh we don't have this piece of furniture we're gonna take it out of your family's garage yeah and totally. things like that um and yeah it's worked out pretty well so far yeah it makes a lot of sense how long have you been here now uh, a little over two years a little over two years wow and yeah. it's changed even oh, in the yeah. past two years profoundly and you're starting to as a bartender as a creative mind in that space starting to carve a really nice place for yourself in Austin's narrative, but also much larger, the national one. And so 
is Pesce, was that the main, I, I know, you know, you're still there now, but was that your first foray into cocktailing in Austin? Yeah, I started there as soon as I moved here. I wow. set out a bunch of resumes and I, you know, was staging at a bunch of spots. Um, the place I worked at longest in Massachusetts was this high-end massive tequila bar. Mm, what's it called? Uh, uh, Tico. Tico, okay. Um, it's in Back Bay and it has like over 100 different tequilas and uh, it had a decent program. It wasn't like the most uh, inventive of cocktails, right. but like if you wanted a really good margarita or wanted to talk to someone about some good tequila, great place for that. Mm. Um, and so one of the places I was really looking at was La Condesa. And I, oh, yeah, of course. Uh, but then when I was there, I was like, this is really similar to what I've done. Like, I really liked their program, and it like the food looked amazing, and everyone was nice. But I was like, this is this is what I know. And the next day, I got a call from Mariko, who was the manager oh, at yeah. Peche at the time. And she's like, can you come in for a stash? I'm like, sure. And that was completely different from anything I'd ever done. Mm. But I was able to do everything they asked me to. Yeah. Like, I could, like, make that basic drink. Or if they told me to build something, I could do it exactly how they wanted me to. So it was like... It felt like so much more than I could ever do, but also something that I was completely capable of at the yeah. same time. And so uh, I was like, I like learning. Let's let's do this place. And you get, you're in like the Library of Congress of Bottles downtown right? too, right? I mean, you've got everything you can dive into if you need to. It's kind of like an endless like pool of stuff Absolutely. to taste. Yeah. Yeah. It is like having endless colors to paint with. Yeah. You know, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of incredible. Who else was there when you started? Um, it was Mariko. Megan had just left. Oh, okay. I was the new Megan. Oh, nice. Uh, and then uh, Michael Childress was there. Uh, Charlie Valentine was there. Wow. Uh, it was kind of a odd little crew. Yeah. A guy named Renee. I don't know. Renee, uh, what's his last name? God, I can't even remember right now. Um, but it was like a lot of people who are like in the industry, but it wasn't like crazy deep. Like right. I, I miss the era of Trey. Trey or he Sheet was, or yeah, Justin or exactly. Dennis. Or, yeah. They were all before me. Um, Trey was still at uh, Isla oh, at yeah. the time. So I got to work with him very, very briefly. And like, you know, I would be going over to get ice and then he'd lock the door and do a funny little dance in my face. <laughs> and I just have to stand out there with my ice bucket. Just being like, just get a deal with it. Yep. Yep. Great Trey. Thanks Trey. Time's a tick in here, Trey. Let's get it. Let's get I got to open. You know, it takes a long time to open that bar. Um, but I've definitely still been able to interact with all those people yeah. just because it's like college alumni almost. Right. Totally. That's, yeah. Well, that's why I mentioned those kind of crowds or those scenes or those niches like within it because those people go on and they do other things together. Yeah. You know, and they get they do even greater work and then they end up working together. And all this stuff starts to kind of really tie together i think just with a restaurant that's been around for so long and was oh, one yeah. of the first to do like that craft thing oh yeah totally um and it's definitely like not what it was when it first started i feel like every manager i've met has been like oh yeah i added to this or mm -hmm. i added to that um and we've all been like growing different parts of the program and it's become this cool amalgamation of like everyone's favorite stuff from all these brilliant bartenders who've yeah. now gone on to do other things it is i mean it is it is a summation of its influences along Absolutely. the way, which is really kind of cool as a director in a sense, right? That you watch all these movies and then you're inspired by them in different ways. And then your vision is unique, but yet this culmination of so many others, like yeah. Baby Driver, comes to mind, actually. What a good movie. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like, and it, you just think about, God damn, I've seen this all before, but never like this. Exactly. Yeah, well, it's, it's when new... you have someone who like learned or is a master of like comedic timing oh and God. manipulation yeah. of like beats and then you they watch like a billion different movies of the past hundred years that yeah. have to do with cars or heists or like drama and 
There's it, a lot, lot to pull from. He did a really good job. Yeah, how you make that come together. I mean, I love Edgar Wright deeply. Oh, yeah. And Incredibly in- talented and intelligent human. And just seems cool. Yeah, right? right? He's only like 41. Yeah, and when I saw the... I didn't know he was so young. I saw the little like before Baby Driver yeah, videos the Q&A of him. Yeah, with him. And I was like, that... That's you? Yeah, he's just a You dude. could be like my friend. <laughs> right, yeah? exactly. Yeah, you know, a couple people know this, but when Scott Pilgrim came out, mm-hmm. I went to the draft house to see the premiere that they had. Ned Garrett was there. And what? he gave every single person a high five in the whole theater. It was one of the greatest, That's so cheesiest cool. moments ever. But it was so funny. That's so great. Because he's just a dude. He, yeah. But he, he loves movies. He yeah. loves it. And that's what comes across. And that's why it's so earnest. Yeah. All the stuff he does. Well, know. the more movies you watch, the more you understand them. As long as you have a it's totally right, a, like analytical and critical eye. Yeah, same thing with drinking. Yeah, I, I, as weird as that sounds, the more you drink, the more you know about it. Absolutely. If you think about it like that, exactly, you can drink mindlessly forever. Sure, and that's what many people do. Yeah, as I'm sure you see. Yeah. So, uh, how long? So, about two years now at Pesce. It sounds like some great things are looming in the near future for you. Yeah. So, what does before I ask kind of the token question I ask everybody? What is what are you up to next? It seems like we're just on the verge of a new opportunity for you, but I don't know what that might be. I know you've been out competing. Yeah, there've been a lot of crazy things happening, and in, like this past year has been like insane. I yeah. didn't know that competitions were a thing, and yeah, then yeah. I was in one, and then I won it, and now everyone's like, "Do this, do that," and I've been like doing a bunch of like events, and billions of weird job offers have been coming up, and yeah. um. This is weird to talk about because uh, it's something that I haven't officially announced yet. Yeah, but well, I'm um, glad that we get to do this. Yeah, so. it's it's a weird thing to say out loud. Um, I am going to be leaving Peche. Really? In, in about a month. Cool. Well, I, I think it's probably for a good reason, so I'll say congratulations. Yeah, it, it is, and I love Peche, and I like every day that I'm there. I'm like, oh god, I'm really gonna leave. Yeah. Um, but it's just gone to a point where. Uh, I have actually tasted every bottle on the wall. Holy shit, that's incredible. Yeah, and I like or. At least 99% of it. Maybe yeah. there's a couple things in the back that I haven't tasted. But I'm pretty sure I have tasted them all. Wow. And I worked on that drinks list for... I, Mariko was like, you're the first person I've ever put on their first drinks list. And so I've been on that drinks list since I got there. Wow. And um, I feel like right now I've been teaching people uh, for the past like six months more than I've been learning from people. And as the, much the as that... evolution, that's, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that's great, but... I don't know enough to not be learning anymore. Yeah. Um, so I got a number of really exciting conversations with lots of people about, you know, representing or working at different spots. Um, and the one that actually has been most exciting and the one I'm going to be taking is um, the Roosevelt Room has offered me the bar manager position at the Eleanor. Oh, killer. So um, I'm going to be essentially like creatively directing a lot of their pop-ups yeah. and working still with, you know, the whole crew and I'll probably be bartending a little bit at the Roosevelt room, yeah. but with, you know, a little bit more money <laughs> and a lot more people to, you know, kind of show me new stuff and, and experiment with I mean, new you things. get two amazing minds back yeah. a lot. I mean, beyond, there's many others. Yeah, but. Mr. Day and then Alex, of course. They're all there. fantastic. Um, But like, it's been a point for the past few competitions I've done that, whenever I find out I get into like a regional or a national or anything like that, the first people I've been texting are like, I've been texting Trey, I've been texting Dennis, I've been texting Justin yeah. and Trey doesn't work anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, it's just been the thing. The more I talk to them and they're right around the corner from Pache. Sure, I'm yeah. over there all the time. We always end up talking about really exciting stuff. And I think they kind of realized that I was a little hungry for learning. 
It's amazing. Um, and they've been really good. They weren't very pushy. It's been like many months of like, are you interested maybe? Yeah. What could we do for you? Finding the right position, not just like being like, come work for us. Right. Um, Be focused and have a real strategy behind what you're going to yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Have it any brand work if you consider? I know I'm sure you've considered that as well. Are you taking any of that on? As um, well? I am not. I have had a number of conversations with people, and obviously the slight legality of certain things yeah, right. is always an issue. The other thing is right now, uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm still like in that competition game and mm. really want to do a lot of other things. And there's a little bit of a weird like representing a brand thing that comes up i know it's strange it's strange um and the other thing is that like if i had to brand myself with a singular thing like Mm. there are a few things i'd definitely be interested in like at this point a lot of people know me in austin as someone who knows a lot about tequila and like that's definitely part of the thing and i think espalone kind of sealed that as being a, a part of who i am right um and i've been invited to join this like tequila society with el tesoro oh, cool. which is really exciting i'm yeah. gonna get to go down to carlos camarena's like I house carlos. yeah i've never met him i'm really excited amazing i, guy, I yeah. love everything he does um and so i'm gonna be you know working with them a little bit and i just kind of feel like unless there was like a truly amazing opportunity situation where i wouldn't really uh, get in the way of other stuff yeah i'm not maybe like, then maybe then yeah but i would rather focus more on behind the bar it's good i mean you interface with the public you get to still be very creative yeah. there's not an agenda that you have to Absolutely. be out there selling i don't want to have to i don't know i think that who what you say like it has a lot to do with the certain amount of like why are you saying it? Yeah. Uh, and I like right now that when I say I like stuff, it's just because I like it. Totally, yeah. Um, and it would it would be very different if like my favorite brands in the world offered me to work for them. And it'd be like, well, I do love them. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe more than anyone else. But even then, like there's so many things that are great out there and to like not necessarily be constantly suggesting like, of course, I want you to try this one by this brand, but like try the Blanco from that brand yeah. and then try the Repo from this one. And then maybe also the repro from that one and not necessarily keeping to one thing. Yeah. See, because one problem I have with, there are many things I love about this industry and the creative element and the wonderful minds behind it. But I feel like a lot of people just care about what they're paid to care about. Yeah. And I really feel that's disingenuous. And it's the lack of passion that gives a lot of this industry kind of a bad name in a way. Well, I also feel like you can kind of tell when it happens. I Like I think so. Not always. Some people are really good at selling and good actors. Yeah, Yeah. some people crush it. But I don't know. Like, I went down to Del Maguey and hung out with Misty, and like, what a force of nature. Right. And someone that like every time she says something, I'm like, I believe you because you're the most genuine, passionate person I've seen in a very long time. Yeah. Um. And so I think there are people like that that you can. Those are the ones you you hang your hat on. Exactly. People like Carlos. Yes. People people like Tomas. Exactly. Misty. Steve Olson, Evan, you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. Some just great, great folks, folks like that. So it keeps me optimistic, not even just about this industry, but about people. Absolutely. Which, you know, in the heart of this industry, it is people. It's Hospitality. People. Yeah. yeah. Just us doing things. Yeah. Sometimes we drink. Sometimes we're all done. Depends, I suppose. <laughs> it is lunchtime, so I don't know. But, well, I've got a few questions left for you. Mm-hmm. And the one that I, I always ask everybody, and I, you know, I'm thinking maybe this will have something to do with film or animation or maybe even... A relative but you know imagine yourself mm-hmm. at any bar in the world a place you really like to frequent you're ordering your favorite spirit and you're sitting there and you can have a conversation 
with anybody, living or deceased, who might you like to sit down there, sip and chat with? Wow. And it, it, Big that's, one. Yeah, and it hits yeah. you different times and different seasons and stuff. I think right now, what would be the most exciting is if I could get me and my mom alone at a bar and have her actually taste something. Oh my gosh. Because yeah. like she she's never actually my whole family's never seen me bartend. No kidding. Not, ever? Never. Because oh, wow. they were in Boston just for my graduation, so I didn't bartend that week because yeah. I was graduating. And then they haven't come to Austin yet. We've been trying to plan a trip, but that we've been also trying to like see my grandparents in Ohio and yeah. go to Japan to see my other grandparents and my brother graduated and all this stuff. It's hard. It's hard to find that time. And so me and my dad, when I was last in LA, we went to uh, Bar Normandy. Mm. Uh, that's on, in Koreatown in LA. Yeah, I've, I've heard of it. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's the name. I might be. No, I think that's right. I or think Normandy that's right. Bar or something like that. Yeah, something like that, <clears throat> um, which is a super amazing bar. And me and him sat down and we had two drinks and we split them and we talked about it. And it was great. It was one of those things where like, I knew my dad would get it yeah. because he's so creative and he's so open to that. And he like is someone who actually enjoys drinking. Um, and then I also brought my brother to the Chestnut Club in L.A., oh, cool. which is another spot that like it's a little bit of that like everyone there in L.A. is still drinking the vodka sodas and the tequila shots, but mm. they have a really amazing liquor collection and the bartenders know what's up. So... I was able to be like, you're going to have a Siete Leguas Blanco gimlet <laughs> and things like that. Uh, so, you know, I was You able want those two worlds to intersect. Yeah, the exactly. The past and the present and yeah. the future, right? And also it allows them to really understand because like right now I think they get it that like what I do is really creative and exciting and social and fun yeah. and lucrative but hard to do. Um, but I don't know. Because my mom does never seen any of that, if I could get her in a real bar yeah. and like sit down and if she didn't have trouble drinking so that she could actually drink something and have her taste those things and maybe understand that, I think that would be really exciting for me. Yeah. To make your mom proud. Yeah. In exactly. a sense, right? In a sense. I think we all want it. Yeah. That. My oh, mom absolutely. doesn't drink either. My mom doesn't drink. Oh, and, really? Yeah. She, I mean, she stopped drinking in her 30s and my dad just recently started drinking wine again. So finally he and I in our later years... <laughs> <laughs> He's now into his seventies. Like we can sit and drink. And wow, that changed the dynamic a lot. I'm sure. Well, know? the first time you go to a bar with someone, yeah, I don't know. At least for me, I guess it's because we are people who like feel really comfortable in bars. I think so. I think but, we feel like, like we've got some insight into yeah. it. Yeah. Well, so there are all of these worlds that I kind of see them intersecting, and I see a fork in the road at some point yeah. in your future, which you're gonna have to make a decision. Although you know you can work with filmmaking and animation and the bar community absolutely i want to try to keep them as close together as possible but there's definitely a looming shadow in the distance of someday do i have to decide it'll creep up on you but yeah. actually the, the piece though that I'm, I'm very interested in is yeah you, you'll be creative you can do that both in film and both in the industry but it seems like love has really rooted you in part of your journey as mm -hmm. I, I always appreciate because love is something that really keeps us grounded typically you know absolutely what about family and yeah, all of that. like it seems like maybe do you want to start a family and have that experience as definitely well? Definitely, eventually. Yeah. Um, like you heard me talk about kids. I love kids; they're the yeah. best. And um, me and my partner are really happy, and you know we've been together for a long time. So event like we talk about it all the time. Yeah, uh, I mean you already talked about marriage. Yeah, right? exactly. So. It's one of those things where like we have a car together and cats together. We feel like we're already married. Right. We we're, we're really excited to like have a ceremony so we can have a giant party with all our friends and family. Absolutely, because that's gonna be fun. Um, but yeah, there's a little bit of like 
especially as a woman, like there's a few things that are slightly different in the having a kid and working in bars just mm. because, you know, when you're pregnant, you don't really drink. Right. And that's a that's a big shift in like, you know, hours and time and things like that. Um, I feel like I'm far enough away from that that I don't have to necessarily make those changes or decisions yet. That's but yet. it's definitely, once again, another shadow looming in the distance. That's right. Um, so... Yes, it'll happen. And yes, I have to make that decision. I'm really hoping, like right now my goal is I have like big goals, like big future plans uh-huh. with both the film side and the bar side. And I'm going to keep trying to do both of them until one of them makes it all the way. It's amazing. And then I'm probably going to be exhausted for the next 10 years of my life. <laughs> but one of them, as long as one of them works out, I will be very, very happy. Um, so hopefully one won't completely get in the way of the other. I don't think that'll happen. I think I'll always be able to do at least a little bit of the other. It's the point where I start to step back at one. That's going to be really sad. And I do have a feeling that there will be even more unexpected opportunities that come your way. Yeah. And then you'll say, oh, shit, I didn't even realize this is how things are going (laughs) to turn out. But it's always for it's always great. Yeah, I love uh, you know exciting new things. That's why I like moving across the country and yeah. stuff like that. It sounds like it. I'm really excited about the Eleanor stuff. And I, you know, I love Justin and Dennis, old old school brethren. You know, so yeah. you're gonna have a good time over there. And I'm really excited to see yeah. how that transforms. Thank you for letting me like tell like you're one of the first people I've told publicly. That's amazing. I really appreciate. That. Yeah. Well, I've been trying to keep it quiet because uh, you know. It's hard. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's not an easy decision to make. And like literally right now I'm thinking about like, okay, on this day I'm going to tell this person. And on this day I have to tell Rob and I'm going to try not to cry. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's all for a reason. Yeah. And it is the constant evolution of your career as a creative mind and as a professional, right? It's been brilliant chatting with you. I'm so glad we finally got to carve yeah, some time absolutely. out to do this. And uh, I will absolutely come visit Great. at Peche. And in these remaining yeah. weeks... And then I'd love to see what you do with Eleanor. Great. I can't Thanks, wait to Karen. see you. <laughs> yeah, it's been been great. Thanks so much. Well, there we have it, Kermaiko Ferguson of Pesce. Now moving on to the Eleanor and downtown Austin. It's great talking to her about the creative process, all of this animation, step-by-step using your hands to create something amazing, something tangible. But there's also this other undercurrent, this really strong thread for her of love. It sounds like she's thinking about family. She's thinking about marriage has been with the same gentleman for quite some time. And these are kinds of challenges, opportunities, questions, I suppose, that we all have to ask ourselves, especially in the hospitality industry becomes quite difficult to balance family and a career, all the while trying to balance his social life, health, all of these things. So it becomes increasingly difficult. And especially in Kara's case, where she's getting more opportunities, getting more notoriety. I'm curious to see how all of this plays out. And it will be a great thing to watch. So thanks so much chatting with me, Karen. And thank you for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how many times you say, man, I'm really going to watch The Fog again by John Carpenter. It's raining outside after all. Or if you're thinking, Shudder, hmm, I wonder if I should use that with my Amazon Fire TV. Please keep dancing.